Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to The Truth is Sexy, episode three. I had this lovely, lovely segment ready for you guys today, and I have recorded it twice now, so let's say the third time is the charm, okay? So, this is what I want to bring to you guys. Let me paint you guys a beautiful, beautiful picture of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. You have these enormous spouts of energy and creativity and you are overwhelmed and you have to sit down immediately to write every single thing down because you might forget. Your hand can't even keep up with your brain so you're trying to like slow it down but also keep it going. They're fighting each other. They want spotlight. They're like, oh, I have all these ideas and your hand's like, hey, calm down. I'm really trying to figure this out. But second, or you have the days where you have the biggest writer's block and creative block that you could ever imagine. You're, it's just filled with self-doubt and you don't think it's going to work and you don't know why you're doing what you're doing. Why are you still doing it? You promote a healthy lifestyle. You go to the gym. You try and take care of your mind and body and make sure that it's in the proper health for what you're doing as well. And then on the way home, you grab your favorite snack to indulge in as you stress type away at your keyboard trying to create the content that you think people will enjoy. It's 2 p.m. on a Tuesday and you're pouring your first drink and you're wondering, is this wrong? I mean, honestly, I get to do this. I don't have anywhere to be. I need a little edge off for how stressed or how blocked I feel right now. And then there's other days where they mix and match and they fight. And it's a battle in your mind. A battle between optimism and self-doubt. And they're bitch-slapping each other, trying to take reign of the front seat. You are exhausted. Your hand is going for the fifth dove chocolate. But then you're also getting up and you're dancing and jumping around with glee and joy because you figured out the product you've been working on for the past week. And it finally clicked in your own brain of how to portray it to your audience. It's exhausting, but it's amazing. (laughs) And this isn't to share with you guys or to... It's to share with you guys, but it's not to say, hey, be an entrepreneur. I'm just showing the unglamorous side. There tends to be a huge misconception of how amazing entrepreneurism for people and you see it on youtube you see it on podcasts you see it on instagram you see it on social media you see how luxurious it is but it's not all glamorous there's a dark side for sure and that's okay it's part of it but i just needed to be honest and obviously i'm honestly pissed that i've had so many issues recording this episode but (laughs) It makes it more real. It shows you what the fuck actually goes on. Because the first one was gold. My loves. I am just telling you the first one was gold. And the second one... Decent. It It wasn't better than the first, but it was still really good. And I talked about how annoying it was that I was recording it for a second time. So, you guys getting to hear the third time through, I'm sorry. If it wasn't as perfect as the first, but at least you know it's real and I'm so happy right now. (laughs) But the next part I wanted to talk about was making decisions. I'm going to change your life. One thing before we get on to this, 
is one of the biggest struggles with being an entrepreneur is failing. Why the fuck are we so stressed out about failing so much as humans? Whether it's we don't want to fail, we don't want our parents to see, we don't want our colleagues to see, we don't want to tell them like we failed. Why is that such a big deal? I get it. I do. And also, I mean, I struggle with it too. But I also see what failure means as something so much bigger than what the word is, if that makes sense. Failure is a positive thing in my eyes, but everyone looks at it so negatively and so bad. They do. And it, it's hard to not. It's, it's genuinely hard to not. But what I mean is there's so many good things that come out of failing that it, it's not a bad thing. You spend all your time and energy and your passion into this one thing and say it doesn't go well. But sometimes it fails and it becomes the best thing that could have ever happened to us. You had to learn all those skills. You had to learn all of these things. Or I'm trying to use it in all scenarios. Any decision that you lead up to and it fails, usually you learned something from it and became a better person. So whatever is next is going to be a million times better than what happened. Even though it sucks that it failed and it wasn't what you wanted, it's always going to be it's always going to lead you into something that you never thought you wanted. And it'll be so much more. But now, on decisions, I don't know if any of you are indecisive like I am, but let me just tell you, there's a way to not be. And I'm going to share with you my magical secret. So grab your pen, grab your paper, get ready because you're going to learn the secrets of making decisions and it's going to change your life. I am someone who is incredibly indecisive. I can't make up my mind sometimes for the life of me, and I don't understand why. What I'm going to show you is you are in control of making your own decisions. It took me being 24 years old, currently, and still learning that I can make my own decisions. It's wonderful. It's glorious. Let me explain what I mean. You and you only hold the key to making decisions for yourself. That is huge. Hear me out. I know it sounds crazy, but it is huge. It is a big deal because people who are indecisive like me try and base their decisions off everyone else, anything else, don't want to step on any toes. But guess what? You can make your own decisions. You can. (laughs) I promise. The biggest key is one, you have to do it often. The smallest decision you have to make, make it. Make it right now. I challenge you. I dare you. I triple dog dare you right now that if there is something that you have not decided and you've been putting it off, and right now it feels huge because you've been putting off for so long, but really it's tiny, minuscule, a flea, a paramecium, anything. It's that tiny. Make that decision right now. Decide. I'll wait. If you need to, you can pause this, but we're going to keep going. I'm serious though. I encourage you to make that decision. Make decisions often. It is so hard for me for some reason to make any kind of decision and it's usually because it's based off the other person, but just make one. And the more you make them, no matter how tiny or how silly they seem, make the decision. It will get easier. I promise you. Second off, don't be scared of failing. I already gave you my spiel on that. Don't be scared of failing. Don't be because something better is going to come out of it. I promise. Just make the damn decisions. 
you can do it. Another thing I want you guys to know with making decisions, be open to your mind changing what you want to do. Now, your decision, you need to make a commitment to your decision. Make that commitment. But the path that it takes to get there, try and make that easier on yourself. The path that it takes to get there can be flexible and can be moved. You will figure out better ways to get to the goal that you want much, much easier. So it's okay for you to change your path. It's okay for you to change your way to get there. But once you make the commitment of the decision that you're making, your life will be so much easier. When you make a decision, give yourself a plan. And I don't mean you have to sit out and draw this long thing and figure out a plan. But here's an example. If I tell you guys, hey, I'm going to be healthier. That's my decision. I'm going to eat healthier. And that's all I say. What does that entail? So when I go to make dinner tonight, am I going to have mashed potatoes? Am I going to have pasta? Am I going to have a salad? What does eating healthier entail? Am I going to go to Brahms? Give yourself that plan. So maybe I say I want to eat healthier. And then all that entails for me is I'm going to limit my sugar. Or maybe that just means I'm going to add a fruit or vegetable to each meal I eat. Now I'm set up. I'm set up for success now because I gave myself something to do that's small. It's not too big. It won't intimidate me too bad. And also, I have a plan to follow. Instead of being like, oh, well, you know, I'm kind of craving pizza tonight because we're women and we have hormones. And then you decide, I'm going to eat pizza tonight. Tomorrow, I'll start my healthy eating. And then guess what? Tomorrow becomes an office party at work and it's a buffet or it's a birthday party and it's the holidays. Hello, Christmas is around the corner. I'm sorry. I don't want to give up my puppy chow. You don't have to, my honey. Give yourself a easier goal so you're not keep putting it off till tomorrow, till tomorrow, till tomorrow. And then now you have a small thing that's going to, yes, it will make you healthier. If you add a vegetable and a fruit, you're going to be great. You're going to be solid. But anyway, you gave yourself that plan. That can go with any single decision you make. Give yourself one step. Anytime you make a decision, make one little step of what you're going to do to help you make that decision. And you will be changed. (laughs) Okay, who of you have always been told growing up you're hypersensitive or you're too emotional? Oh, really? Perfect, Sarah. I love that. (laughs) because guess what my love you are hypersensitive but it's not as bad as it sounds I am also a hypersensitive person I have learned and I've actually looked up a lot of what it actually means it's easy for everyone to tell you you're too emotional you're too sensitive but there's so much more to what it actually means it is actually genetic (laughs) And there is actually 20% of people, 20 to 30% of people out there are hypersensitive. And what this entails is not only you're emotional, but do you know why these people are emotional? Because at least for me, I'm speaking strictly on myself and what little I've learned about this is no matter what emotion you feel, it's heavy. It's out of one to 10 happy, out of one to 10 angry one to ten sad it's usually the highest rating scale it floods you or sometimes 
you are so you're oversensitive to everything and it's not oversensitive i hate how that sounds but you literally can be over sensory overload basically i know that was horrible you can be overwhelmed so easily by sounds by noises by smells sights everything i can tell you right now going to the grocery store overwhelms me sometimes i can keep it cool i'm trained i've been doing this since i was a young child but you feel crazy you feel like everyone's talking everyone's looking at you you can just sense everything that's going on around you and it's just overwhelming you everything you hear smell taste or touch taste or touch is enhanced there's so much more to it than people talk about and if you want the technical term it is sensory processing sensitivity sps is the actual term for what we deal with um you're also very in tune with your own emotions and feelings and of others empath is something they use a lot for these types of people you can understand other people's emotions i'm guessing anxiety came with mine i don't really know if anxiety is a factor of being oversensitive or oversensitive is a factor of anxiety but either way i get super involved into movies um watching any kind of tv show or movie where it's really gory or um, something that's one of my triggers maybe like violence bullying Anything like that really fucks with me because I get so involved into movies. I can feel, even though I know it's a movie and they're acting, I am so into it that I feel like it's happening to me. Like I can feel the emotions and everything that's going on. So it's really hard for me to indulge in movies like that sometimes, which sucks because I usually love them. Another thing I struggle with is I watch a movie that kind of bothers me or was just really good even when they're really good i think about it for the next couple of days like it's in my mind or if you watch a scary movie and you that thing pops out or whatever that thing will pop into my head like that for the next couple of days so i have to pick and choose okay if i'm gonna watch this i have to deal with the fact that it's gonna mess with me for the next couple of days and it's worth it sometimes for sure but it's crazy it sucks honestly i am so overwhelmed so easily by certain things which and sometimes you don't feel anything at all you are so overloaded with your sensory that sometimes it just doesn't trigger you like you thought it would and then you feel like you're crazy because you're like oh i don't feel anything at all when this happened no you're fine you're just probably on the back end of you just had a very overwhelming day or night but for all you lovely people that are sensitive like i am i hope you know that i'm here for you and I understand, and that you are very gifted. And if any single person tells you that you're oversensitive and it upsets you, just remember they're angry and they're mad that they don't have the emotional intelligence that you do. You have a higher emotional intelligence, and it's not me being rude by saying that. It's just true. You have an extra gene that some people don't have and you're highly sensitive to everything, including emotions and feelings and other people's. So it's hard to differentiate yours from other people's sometimes, but that's okay. It makes you a good person. And as awful as this sounds, it's also very good. People that are oversensitive make great leaders. They make, they're very personable and they just know how to interact with people. So there's plus and minuses for sure. 
just stay positive you got it and i recommend looking into it a little bit more because it can help you out a lot and understanding yourself and knowing your triggers can help you and how to deal with them for one how to keep yourself calm in those kind of situations will help you out immensely so i highly recommend looking into it so i am actually going to interview my boyfriend in a couple of minutes and we are going to talk a little bit more about hypersensitivity Um, Being an entrepreneur, he is one as well with me, so we're in this battle together, and just kind of anything else that might come up. And I'm going to ask him about making decisions. I want to know if he's as indecisive as I am, so I hope you enjoy, and good luck on your weekend, and I hope you have a happy holidays. Hello, babe. So I'm babe and not sweet babe. This is going to be weird. <laughs> You'll be sweet babe when I want you to be. Okay. Um, this is already awkward. How do you feel? Awkward. Why? We should restart. So- <laughs> <laughs> okay, hello babe. Hello babe. Oh, I'm sorry. Hello sweet babe. Uh, hello sweet babe. <laughs> How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. That's that mirror neuron thing, by the way. What? Sweet oh. babe. <laughs> Who started that? The mirror neuron things? No, sweet babe. I think I did. No. It was probably me. No, but you had a song. I, oh man, yeah, I did. That was a long ass time ago. Man, we've been calling each other sweet babe for a long time. I hope we're old and doing I that. do know if I ever do get dementia or some shit like that, I will always be able to remember <laughs> sweet babe. I don't remember her name, but I know she's sweet babe. I forgot her name 20 years ago. I've been calling her sweet babe. She hasn't said anything yet. <laughs> I'm fine with that. All right. So I talked about how I had a lovely poem, actually, about being an entrepreneur and what the day-to-day entails of what it feels like. And I'll read that to you later. But I want to know what a good day looks like to you as an entrepreneur and what a bad day looks like to you as an entrepreneur. Let's do good first. No, let's do bad first. Bad's always better to do first. Okay. So, when you say bad, do you mean like my personal opinion of bad or just like a statistically bad day? No, your worst case bad day as an entrepreneur. What I are the didn't things, get anything done. What I just are the things you, But why? Like, what are the things you face? What does a bad day look like to you in a work bad day? A scenario? bad day looks like to me is I had planned to get X thing done my daily highlight and I ended up spending most of if not all my time focused around things that were like adjacent to the daily highlight so So many things that messed up no for example like let's say that I needed to shoot get a video shot and I didn't have to edit or anything the only thing I had to do was shoot a video but I spent the whole day watching videos about how I could be better at shooting videos that is a bad day even though I'm getting stuff done by watching these videos and like consuming that I'm not like writing notes and analyzing it and like compartmentalizing it you know what I mean I'm just consuming it it's nothing better than TikTok or Facebook to me because I'm not going to remember what I watched so it would be better to just spend that time on the video. That's a bad day in any capacity. But what if you took the notes on that video? Would you still consider that a bad day? No, because that was a, I changed my day's focus. My daily, it would, I would have not made my daily highlight, but at least I was focused on something that was going to be like useful from that point forward. So if I'm like actually learning and like, a, like my brain is in, I'm going to learn this mode. 
ahead of time, I will be a lot better prepped to consume that and retain it versus if I just watch a video on it and forget I watch that video on it and never ever go back to it. That's a waste of time. That makes so much sense. Are you serious? Are you getting? No, it really does because, well, and it's awesome because I'm getting all the different areas of what a bad day can look like to different entrepreneurs. Like that is a bad day in my sense, but to me recording a whole amazing podcast that took me an hour to get myself to even do, and then it didn't record. That's that's, not your fault though. No, but neither is having to learn different things. You have to learn different things and that almost feels like an extra job or homework that you have to do and it takes away from your initial product. See, that makes sense. But if I watch a 12 minute video and that video has five minutes that could be a a game changing amount of information in it and I spent 12 minutes of it just like haphazardly watching it when I know I should have been shooting that's a waste of time versus if I was for that day focused on learning how to shoot better then that five minutes is going to be years of my life that I saved because I was in this like the state of learning does that make sense well how do you go about finding the right video so say you watched a 30 minute video of teaching you how to edit something and then it ended up being it wasn't helpful honest to god answer yeah like how do you if you know you're gonna have to look things up (laughs) And then you're like, okay, I don't really know if this guy's bull... Sometimes you can tell if they're bullshitting or not, but if you really genuinely don't know, how do you figure it out? There's two things I look for. First is clout. So do they have the numbers to show that they know what they're talking about? Second is how have they been performing over the past six months? So a lot of people have... For YouTube, which is where I'm living most of the time... YouTube is if you have a million subscribers, but you have not gained a substantial amount of subscribers for over two years, then you are a dead YouTuber. And I don't mean that in a mean way. There's a lot of people that are struggling to figure it out. It means that you were not willing to change. Those types of people I don't want to learn from because they're not keeping up with the pace of the times. There is a courtship that goes on between creating content that you want to create and creating content that needs to keep up with what people want to consume. For me, I have to find the new people that are willing to create and show and demonstrate and teach the new way. And then i that's a lot easier to wade through who's right and who's wrong in that space than trying to figure out what some dead YouTuber who has 2 million subscribers for six years is trying to tell me. Because what they learned is not what's going to work now. I need to find something new. So I would rather learn from someone who has 100,000 subscribers that got it in That's six months. That's pretty crazy. It's yeah. true though. That's, I mean, But that seems like a lot of extra work, but that doesn't mean it's not worth well, it. Well, life is a lot of extra work. So you That's have to true. make sure you can keep up with that. YouTube will die one day. It'll be replaced by something. So you have to be able to keep up or you're going to be left behind. So you all, you, and the way I see it as a young entrepreneur, someone who has no idea what the hell they're talking about, you need to start that out the gate the idea of being at pace with the way that the world is moving you have to otherwise you won't you'll either be left behind and you're gonna have to find something else or you keep doing what it is that you find success in but you have to be able to change it yeah it's just how it is stagnation is gonna poison your business and that's i know that was kind of like a stretched out answer but no but that's helpful and i think for anyone trying to do that yes it saves you so much time because that's what I struggle with right now is trying to learn shit. And then I'm like, well, I don't know. 
what's going to be <laughs> did that just waste my time or did I actually learn something from that or I'm like usually I think you can tell in the beginning like this isn't what I'm trying to aim towards learning so you can get out of there but you're doing a really good job so far <laughs> you're asking me stuff like you handle oh I handle well. the questions one I'm talking to Roxanne right now maybe no I am <laughs> I'm talking to Roxanne and Ryan's tapping her like pulling on her shirt and she's like, hey, hey, you should ask him this. Or, hey, you should tell him this. Aw, well, that makes them still work together, I guess. I think it's the way to approach it. Anyways. Well, anyways. Good or bad. Or we can go into the questions. I want to know, so you told me what your bad day looks like in an entrepreneurial day. What does a good day look like? What is the best case scenario that could happen to you as an entrepreneur? Like, what is your, like, oh, my God, that was a great day. Like, I feel happy to be doing what I'm doing. Okay. The best answer for that, it, I, the first, my first reaction is to say making a significant amount of money, but the truth is that progress. So any day where I feel like I have progressed even an inch further than the day before, as stereotypical as that kind of like approach is, makes me feel like the day was successful. I, you only get one life to live, and if every single day you inch closer to what your destination should be versus what you could be moving away from is a good day. So I, I really don't care. As far as I, I have days where I have extreme success and then I have days where I have maybe just a teensy tiny bit of success. Both of those days are successful. Both of those days are good days. I love to hear that. I talked about the days where it's literally just whooping you and the days where you're having good days and you feel creative and you feel like, oh, this is the way. But then there's the days where both of them are fighting at the same time and you go up and down all day long and how exhausting that could be. So I love that you said that even if you have a little success and you feel like more of it wasn't, it's still a successful day because literally anything you can take... <laughs> you will take <laughs> which one thing about like the good and bad days is there's we're talking i'm talking to you from like a statistical standpoint what would i rate my day as as a third party perspective the truth is that some good days i feel like a worthless piece of crap the entire day and then something good happens because of either past actions luck or i made it happen that day it does not affect my emotional and physical well-being. I feel miserable, but I still had a successful day. So, like, that kind of stuff, it's almost Oh, there's like, so many gray areas in yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's shitty. Well, it's like you have to, like, step out of your biological. It's You're in this meat bag pretending to know what you're doing. So when you have a success, you celebrate. But even if your meat bag's not happy with it, you still celebrate. So that's yeah. kind of like, I don't know. It's hard to figure out, especially you when you're young to. and you're starting off like we are. Well, I think you have to celebrate the successes because even though you're you're hard enough on yourself, like just as a human and doing this, that any success you get, you need to celebrate it because it just boosts you to go that little bit more. You know what I mean? Yeah. It helps. So I love that. I love you. <laughs> I'm so happy you decided to do this. Mm, I am too. I think win, lose, or draw, this is something that's going to be worthwhile. So would you say this was a good decision? The podcast? Yes. I think for your for your general well-being, this was probably one of the best decisions you could have ever made for yourself. Do I think that this is going to be the thing that's going to like take you off into the stratosphere? 
not at first, but I think that after some time, if you genuinely learn and you learn like the areas that you don't want to learn, like how to actually grow a podcast and just do the bare minimum, I think your content and who you are and your spirit and the person that you walk around as is going to be enough to carry you to the finish line. No problem. Thank you. Just being honest. That, but it won't get you there if you don't put in that oh, bare minimum. Oh, absolutely not. You have to put in the bare minimum. Otherwise, you're just floating around. Which sucks. It is. There's literally so many secrets you could know to do well, fuck, that will fuck help. the secrets. It's about wading through the bullshit and finding someone you resonate with and committing to their idea. Yeah. You find a path. You commit to that path for X amount of time and you measure it. Does it work? Did you make progress? If the answer is no, you exit and you start something else. If the answer is yes, you figure out how you can make it better. That's as, It's literally as simple as that. It just sucks because there's so much informational overload so these much. days that you don't know what the right path is. And that's part of it. Oh, so much. Okay, this is perfect. This transitions really well. So I talked about being indecisive and how you can literally be in control of your own decisions as crazy as that sounds but once you get the concept that you are in the control of your own decisions you will be so much better off so for you i want to know are you an indecisive person it depends on I, i'm sorry to like sugar or like be pussy foot around it no but like. it's complicated <laughs> it's complicated so i want to know am i an indecisive are there person? certain situations where you are indecisive well, yeah and other times where you're indecisive. not i'm indecisive in every kind what of what do you want to do tonight all right <laughs> <laughs> we're indecisive but that's what but i'm hey, saying here's the, here's the kicker where do you want to go eat tonight well how about this i know <laughs> that i don't want chinese food okay i know that i don't want seafood I know that I don't want ribs. So I can start to narrow it down and cut out the, the stuff. But now I'm torn. Do I want burgers? Do I want Mexican? Do I want Thai? So like you can work your way around it. That is that is an approach to be used. Am I indecisive? Yes. Do I have a method to combat that? Absolutely. But, okay. but are you indecisive in all scenarios and you have to combat it? Or would you say there's other scenarios you feel more confident to make a decision in versus others? Yeah, 100%. I'm, I am. I think that if I'm in a group of people I don't know, 100 people, and I have to lead that group, I will do a good job. It doesn't matter what the scenario is. Well, you don't have to worry about their opinions because you're like, hey, I'm in the one taking exactly. control anyway. Exactly. I probably would count on my own abilities to survive and move forwards and do whatever I need to do in that situation, whether it's something like super serious or something as like, where are we going to eat tonight? So I'm more confident to lead people like that. That being said, one of the biggest cripples that I've realized with indecisiveness is you. As shitty and as cringy as that is. It's true. It's cheesy. But like I love you so much. So like I care. You were probably the only person on the planet that I feel so much more worried about overall happiness and fulfillment and well-being and just overall state of existence than I care about my own. So sure. that causes you to be indecisive now in that situation to pick where to eat because you want to make sure I'm happy as well versus the hundred people. You, you don't really yep. care how many. You just know it's going to be the most efficient. Well, let's turn it around. We never do this. Ask me where I want to eat. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? That's not. That's how, how I, I approach that though. Because <laughs> like it, to be honest, with, I'm just being honest with you, sweet babe. I don't have a care. 
there, I, I'm willing to not even give myself time to decide what would I want because I'm more focused on what would you want. That's unfair to you because it puts so much pressure on you always doing what you want to do. But it's just – I just – I don't know. I love you so much, so I want to give you the world. And I know that that – I love you so much that I know that that is wrong. So, like, I make sh- – no, yeah. I do. I, like, no, I, I've been working means, on that yeah. for, like, the past year. I've been trying to make sure and, like, try and diminish that. Make sure that I'm – just because sometimes you don't want to choose so for me i can choose all day long whenever that's the case but i don't know that and you won't tell me so i have to just guess <laughs> but maybe that's the answer to because that is literally exactly how i feel but in every situation so to me if it was a hundred people i probably could do it because like i said to you i don't know any of them i don't have anything to lose but in the terms of you i'm always like well i want to make sure he's happy i don't want him to just say yes just because he thinks that i want it when i don't really give a fuck because i'm trying to choose what he wants so it's interesting so i wonder if it's whenever you find the person you truly love and care about that's when your mind shift can switch like that so for people who don't get that naturally i guess which honestly your way is way easier because (laughs) it's just easier to navigate you're not stressed out about that kind of stuff but now you have me so that switches you into being like oh no i don't want to just pick does that kind of make sense you ever seen the wizard of oz yes was the tin man one <laughs> a heart you right. are my heart for sure that's really sweet i am functional and efficient and if you didn't exist i think i have dog on myself a lot but i think without you i would still find extreme success but I it wouldn't so be too. it wouldn't be success that's worth doing it would be i have the world in the palm of my hands but i am the most miserable person on the planet it's true though no i know that sounds shitty i I hope you don't feel pressure from that oh no i don't i think it's it's good because i don't think even if any of the success that i get to i wouldn't have gotten there without you so i feel we just complement the opposites in each other so as you loving me as a tin man Needing your heart. Don't embarrass me. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to ask you, what is it like loving me and getting to know me and being around me so much as a person who is a hypersensitive person? Which I didn't know I was hypersensitive until maybe a month ago because I wouldn't accept it. But I also learned that I was trying to explain to you what anxiety was so i got to learn (laughs) what i was or what i deal with by explaining it to you so what did that look like to you being like um excuse me what um for okay i came i'm a narcissist for sure i'm not i'm not anything like i was i'm a good person now but like it dominated a lot of how i approached life and with you having just fallen head over heels in love with you I got a softness to me so like there was everything in my being was screaming at me when we first started to address this as a couple everything in my being was screaming at me she is over analyzing the things that are affecting her 
I'm serious, though. If she's overanalyzing the things that are affecting her. She feels that the cold feels like Antarctica. Or she feels like she's just so astronomically scared of a show we watch. It just wrecks her for a day. I'm like, I'm out of that. You know what I mean? And from my upbringing, too. Like, where it's not okay to be that way. Especially as a man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I've I've done the homework. I know how anxiety works from a textbook standpoint. But seeing it in person and getting to be in a relationship with someone who genuinely struggles with it was a total different game. And I love that. It took me. I always believed you from the moment you said it. I believed you. It just my next question. I want to know if you believed me. That's the thing. The love that I had for you, as cringy as it sounds, was more dominant in my belief in what you were saying than my logic, which was telling me she's not as bad as she seems, and we need to make sure to understand that probably she's about eighty percent. And that's not fair to you. It wasn't fair to you. But luckily, it got combated pretty easily. Like, you went through a lot of those surgeries, and you feel like nothing happened from you. I disagree with that heavily. You you feel like you didn't get anything out of them? No. You got peace of mind from someone who struggles with anxiety on a serious level to the point where you're willing to get a major surgery done because you're just trying to make things better. Don't let that get in your head. That kind of stuff is, like, worth doing because – your hypersensitivity is not hypersensitivity to like sour food or scary movies or a cold. Your hypersensitivity is to reality. Everything is a hypersensitivity to you. That's and that's very not helpful. your fault. Whatever it is about you that has that, because there's a lot of pros that go along with that too. But it's something that allows you to get to experience life on a hyper level, not necessarily being hypersensitive. You know what I mean? So you have to carry the that weight that comes with that. to experience hyper life. Because I talked about hypersensitivity. There's hypersensitivity and how it can... You mostly hear you're oversensitive or you're overemotional. That's literally the only two things people say to you. But for some reason that wrecks you to literally everything. And it took me until... I don't even know how long it's been since I started looking into that to talk to you about it. And I've been like, wow. Or I really started to think like, okay, so TV shows affect me. I always knew they affected me, but I never really thought why they affected me. And then I started to realize it's not just my emotions. It's not just the sad emotions. It's happiness. It's literally anything. It's everything can affect me. Going to the store and being around other people can affect me being overly stimulated or i literally talked about watching a show and it can fuck with me for two days after i watch it that was my other question i love that i said did you believe me were you like this woman is crazy (laughs) no i don't think you're crazy i've never thought you were crazy that's one thing that i felt like i hope i did a good job of letting you you did i felt crazy regardless i'll be honest with you the first moment that i had in our relationship where i kind of like took notice because my weird thing with that is people Picking up on expressions, picking up on how people carry themselves. Like we were looking at, listening to that fucking radio host the other day, and I was able to pick her skin tone from the sound of her voice. You know what I mean? You're so good at it. Like that's terrible, but like the fact that I made her sound like my aunt, like just it was from, so good. I could see how she carry. I know how she walks just from how she talks. Like it's yeah. so. Anyways, you have that gift. Well, with you, I. It, it, well, I wish I could translate it to myself. That's the kind of curve. Eddie, we're not here to talk about me right now. With you in our relationship, the first thing that ever like really caught me off guard was when we went and saw The Greatest Showman. 
That movie Stop, really? was wonderful. It is such a I good movie. I watched it three times. It's such a good movie. But you went with but me, that I think, movie, all the time. That movie was not sobbing, crying worthy. And I have met a lot of people, women especially, who are sobbers just uncontrollably. You cried at moments that deserve tears, but you, I could tell, were genuinely affected by the, by the emotions of of that show knowing damn well it was a movie that makes me so happy no it's true though it like, makes me feel so much that the, made me look at you because you were snotting crying you I were don't crying so i don't hard. recall dude you snotting. were gasping for air crying <laughs> when they were on the little rooftop and things hadn't quite worked out for them yet that you were like the beginning. <laughs> and i was just there looking at you like okay it's sad but it ain't that sad <laughs> no but it makes sense because I, I have been trying to learn more about that because for me, I thought that was just an anxiety symptom. And I think that the hypersensity is the main thing and anxiety is a symptom of that because you experience everything so real. Like, I know it's a movie. I know. Can I tell you my theory of what I think you actually have going on with your anxiety? Oh my God, please do. I don't think that you have general anxiety. I've never thought that you had just general disorder anxiety or like that's general anxiety crazy disorder. to me. That's, I don't. That's new no. information. I don't know what you have though, which is shitty because I am always someone who's like, I'm not going to speak to you on this kind of stuff unless I can give you some kind of answer. But the truth of it is, is I think that you dip your toe into a river that no one really gets to be a part of from a third party perspective, looking at it from the shore, they're in it. You can experience it outside of that. And the way that the thing that showed me that the most is like not just a movie, a movie's pre planned, scripted, and produced. Real life people that we meet throughout our relationship, experiences that we have together as a couple, you can genuinely understand and relate to those people. And not just relate to them in a level of like, I kind of get that. You can relate to them in a level of like, I kind of get that. And I've worked on myself enough to know that this is what you can do to make it better because you do that with me. For one thing, but like how you handle my family, how you handle your family, how do you handle your friends? I can see it always from how we talk and we're together all the time because we're both entrepreneurs and working in our own stuff. We don't have to go into the office every single day because our office is where we live. Yeah. <laughs> so like, Amen. I mean, it's nice, but at the same time, like we're, we're like a relationship on speed, like double speed. It does. It does feel like, almost. but it's good though, because we're doing a good job, I think. But, like, me getting to see how you handle those experiences shows to me that you are just tapped into something completely different. You are. But that's why I said I used to think anxiety was the main form that I struggled with. But I think anxiety is more now a sub-symptom to most maybe illnesses or symptoms that people have. I think anxiety is a sub-symptom. Sub-symptom. I don't think most people have just anxiety. There's always something else with how much this plays into anxiety too. I get anxiety if I'm like, I'm not helping this person right. Excuse me? Imagine, <laughs> and hey, imagine that you, you're living your life, everything's normal, and you didn't have what you deal with. You're just like, try and best understand like you're just a normal person, and someone comes up to you and they say, hey, Turns out that we are about to go into World War II, and it's out of your control, but because you live in this country, you are now going to fight for it. Whether you're just man, woman, doesn't matter. You're about to go and fight for your country, and it's a draft scenario that you can't control. 
you're about to get thrust into something that you have no possible ability of being able to take and handle and be prepared for because you weren't expecting it. It's something ast- it's like cancer, something astronomically unpreparable for. Now you have to handle it. I think that with what you have, that honestly is a something that gives you an advantage. I think yeah. anxiety, general anxiety, is something that's going to cripple people in that scenario. Oh, I for think sure. you are able to understand, okay, this is my scenario. This is what I would do if I was in this scenario. So I'm going to do this. And it gives you something that allows you to run with is the best way to look at it. Does that make sense? Yes. But I honestly think that even people with anxiety, if that's all they have, could conquer in those kind of situations. Because only if you learned how to conquer your anxiety, if you let it take over and run your life, then it's crippling. It's very, very crippling. But if you learned that you have anxiety and took the time to acknowledge what are my symptoms, what are my triggers, how can I avoid them, how can I help them, how can I cope with them, then I think you could dominate anything just like anyone else. I think so too, but that is a whole different ballgame altogether. But yeah, they have, you have to put in the effort. It's not just, oh, I have anxiety, I can do this. No, you have to learn how to handle your anxiety. One of the best pieces of advice I've ever heard was from the Greeks, of all people. I'm not trying to... Fucking philosophy, Mrs. <laughs> man. No, it's true. They I had, think they, they were very fucking, smart people. They had a fucking... Dude, they literally created pretty much all of knowledge within like a 200-year state. I think they were state. some of the smartest people. It's, I don't been. know what the fuck they were on. I don't know what... Like, there's no way they were able to do what they were doing. Anyways, we're not going to get into that right now. Long story short, everyone's success is determined by their own path. It is impossible for you to find the recipe that you just have to replicate and do. You can follow a general theme, but at the end of it, you have to sprinkle in your own special sauce or it's not going to work. It's not. It literally is impossible for you to progress. I agree. So that's kind of how I take that kind of approach. People with anxiety that are trying to cope and handle, they have a destiny for them. It doesn't matter who they are. It could be being the best manager at McDonald's as they possibly could be. Or it could be that they go and start a company ran by the most smartest people on the planet. And the next thing you know, they're flying people to Mars and they are yes. creating an entirely <laughs> new world for people. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's on, it, it just is kind of unlimited it's your job to get to the finish line so i'm sure there's going to be people listening who are either agreeing with what i'm saying of being hypersensitive or being like i don't know what you're talking about but i am either dating or i know someone or my best friend is someone who's sounds kind of like what you're dealing with what is the best advice you would give someone of how to deal with someone like me? Having my issues or I f- am just either having a panic attack or I'm feeling like I'm just overwhelmed. How do you kind of bring me back to reality or how do you handle me when I, you think, okay, is she being erratic because she feels overwhelmed or is it her period? <laughs> What's your best advice? Uh, truthfully, I think it's two things. One, you need to, the first step you need to do is understand that you are going to have to give yourself time to figure out what the line is between letting them have their space and you helping them. Because 90% of the problems that you face, I need to leave you alone. You need to just go like be by yourself, figure it out. Be literally something stupid as a nap, something stupid as getting some food, something stupid as going to the gym can dramatically change your entire day. 
So like those types of things as, and I'm someone that wants to solve every single fucking problem that shows up in his way. And so like, I want to help you. I'm reaching to you and just figure out what's wrong with you. And, but sometimes that's not what you need. Sometimes you just need to be left alone. And for people who are trying to figure that out, whether that's they're trying to figure it out for themselves or they're trying to figure it out for a partner or a friend, the best thing you can do is just practice that. Ask yourself this question. Do they need my help or do they need space? And that's a great place to start. The second thing is, can I help them? So like, do you have the ability to handle the problems they present to you? Because sometimes you can just make it worse. I think that I've been just smart enough, as arrogant as that sounds, I've been smart enough to do homework on this kind of stuff to be prepared for you. I think that I was the best person you could have ended up with because of my interest oh, in these I, things. I completely agree. But that's why I'm asking you these questions because I think you will be so, you're so different with that kind of stuff. Like you've been very good at helping me and you, I think you've been better at knowing how to help me before I even know what I need to help me because yeah. I've been doing it on my own for so long. So that's why I wanted to ask you these questions because I think you can provide good help for people who feel completely clueless because to me which is crazy you say I feel like you want I need to be alone and I think I agree but I don't ever feel like it's that high of a percentage but you you might be right there's now been I'm days like, well dang maybe I feel like I need his help but a lot of the time I know he can't and I know sometimes I just need to go sing a song or I need to go drive around or I need to go to the gym like you said and then I'll be better but then in my head, sometimes I'm like, well, he can help you, but I just don't know how. And so that's when it really messes with me. So I like that you said, most of the time, you just need to go for a walk and you're better. <laughs> but from a, from the second hand side of it, someone who's having to bring something to the table, mm -hmm. there's a huge difference between like what you can do and what you need to just let you go do. Because yeah. there's a lot of times that you do need my help. But you're, ask, you're not asking me. You're asking what I would give to your audience. So what I would say for just a normal person that isn't interested in psychology and learning about mental disorders, if you have to handle that with someone else, the best thing you can do is if you're not willing to learn the textbook knowledge, which is going to be 99% of people, then you need to learn ways that are going to help them by asking them. So when which is a great one, always ask, even yeah, if you choose to but learn. There's, here's ask. the kicker, though: you can't ask them when they're in it. No, you have to ask them when they're just normal. Hey, yesterday you were really, really struggling with so and so or such and such. What could I have done better to help you? That's and going to start to build a toolkit that you can. Sorry to interrupt you. That's going to build a no. toolkit for you to use moving forwards. Whether maybe this could just be for yourself. Maybe this is not for another person. It's for you. You can write it down. You can start to ask yourself outside of the experience. Oh my God, I was so depressed yesterday. I was want to go blow like, my what brains I, out. What did I go, need? I was heavily drinking, or I was sleeping with people I didn't know. Whatever it is that you're dealing with. The next day, give yourself some mercy, it's okay, and then write down what you think you could have done differently to start. That's a great place to begin your journey towards figuring out what's going to work for you. No, that's perfect because literally sometimes I don't know what, like you said during, I don't know what to tell you that I need because sometimes I don't even know. There might be 10 different things for 10 different situations that could help me or there could be certain things that would help me in certain situations 
but you have to figure them out. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I just need to be alone. Or sometimes I'm like, I just needed to tell you. It was just a stupid little thing that I couldn't stop thinking about that I needed to get out of my body and now I feel better. But it's not always an immediate fix. So sometimes you re- you just really have to learn yourself and trial and error. Like, okay, yeah, that didn't work. So next time, think about it the next day, like you said, and be like, what do you think would have made me better? Oh, maybe this would have helped. And usually you know, because you know yourself. But that's not true. No, that is not true. You don't know yourself, but you can at least answer, oh, well, I feel like I end up crying because he didn't take me to Taco Bell. What did I want? Was I just hungry or did I want him to listen to me? Ryan, I know you. I've spent 25 years with me (laughs) and I've only spent four and a half years with you, but I know you better than I know myself. For sure, That's when it comes crazy. when it comes to like what you could. Well, here's the thing. It's no, your, it's not crazy. You but. aren't dealing with my ego. You want to pull out the textbook knowledge. You aren't dealing with what's going on. There's split parts of your brain, literally, from a biological standpoint. There are split parts of your brain handling all of the processes that you're experiencing on a daily basis, from like your heart beating from a subconscious level to like what should I eat tonight from a conscious level to a super ego ego standpoint, which is my mom used to make me X, and that's why I'm hungry for this thing tonight. Those types of things play a role. And most people are not going to divulge into that, and they shouldn't because it sucks unless you're interested in it. It's going <laughs> to fuck you up for years. You should stay away from it unless you're interested. No, in but it. I disagree. If you learn at least a little bit about yourself, you will, even if it's painful, it's going to help you understand yourself better. And yeah, it's hard to shake off like, oh shit, that used to, But you that's don't need to is. know the science. You no. just need to know how to build a house. You just need to know that going to the gym causes you to lose weight. You just need to know the bare minimum to get you through so that you can start to work on your mental health, so that you can start to work on your well Well, yeah, you need so to you know what to fucked you up so mm-hmm. you know why you act that way. And, and then I you think, can find ways to yep. help you not act that way anymore. And I think the best way to do that is, is it sounds so stupid, but it, and even if you don't like it, it's to write it out. It is. it is. If you hate writing, record it. It Talk helps to yourself. so much. Like record something, some kind of something that you can go back and look on because it's going to dramatically change the way you look at yourself. Oh. I remember looking at YouTube back when it was like the cat playing the piano video. Oh, yeah. Now I can go learn quantum physics. It's crazy. You know what I mean? I, I literally watch Yale psychology lectures. Do you realize how much Yale students are paying in tuition that aren't scholarship? I'm getting that shit for free. I know. That's crazy. Like, the only thing I'm not getting is access to the professor. A fucking, excuse me? Free versus how much they're paying? The percentage ratio to that is nothing, dude. Like, people need to understand that, like, they have to just take ownership of themselves and realize that they have the capabilities to at least get themselves on the right track. Now, the line that you showed me is that you cannot answer your problems for yourself all the way through. You gotta be the person who keeps you on the right path and you have to be the hero of your story. But you also have to understand that you are not this perfect, amazing thing that doesn't need help. Look at something like Harry Potter. The whole thing that makes Harry Potter so overwhelmingly just like breathtakingly amazing is the environment and the friends that Harry Potter faces. Harry Harry himself is really not that interesting a character. He's not. If you really hmm. break him down, you read the books, he's pretty dull. Like there's I nothing really like crazy interesting about him. 
It's the fact that Hermione and Ron are his best buddies. It's the fact that Dumbledore is this overwhelming character. It's the environment he's in, yeah. the things that he has to conquer and how he goes about learning how to conquer them that makes him the hero of his story, that makes him so enticing to people. What about Link? Don't you bring Legend of Zelda into this. This is for women that are have no idea what the fuck Legend of Zelda is. That's not true because there's plenty, but it's the exact... So, okay. But since you said Harry's not the interesting of a character because of his surroundings, is Link still an interesting character even around his surroundings? Link literally doesn't even speak. He's not an interesting character. Link and Harry both have one purpose. That purpose is to be a puppet for you to put your soul into to experience it I yourself. I guess you're right. Link's name, from the creator, Link's name is Link because he wanted the audience, the people who got to experience the greatest video game that's ever been made from a voting standpoint. He wanted people to be able to link into that and experience it for themselves. Which is amazing because that was in the 80s and that's when I feel like PlayStation and all that kind of stuff, GameCube was all really big. And for him to create a game like that already so early on, I just feel like it's really interesting. Because now it's all about making sure you feel like you're into it. But I feel like that was the OG video game. And me not knowing a lot about video games, that was the original game that he was like, I want people to put themselves into this. And he actually cared about that, which is I think is really cool. Cared about it enough to name his main character Link. I know. I love it. I, I got to play it for the first time, so I love it so much now. I'm going to ask you a question. I feel Whoa. like I'm the podcaster. This All is right. Weird. I don't have any notes. Weird. <laughs> do you feel about the fact that we've waited so long to get married? At first thinking about that, or even sometimes I'm like, damn, like what if we don't get engaged for like, or like what if we don't get married for another six years that we're together and it's six years and we finally get married. So whether we get engaged in that time frame plus until it takes to get married, it is, does sound crazy to me but with how much I think it's just so different for every relationship and for ours I feel like it's okay like I was literally I literally thought about that today I was like dang like we're not even engaged yet I mean I already feel like I'm married to you which is really a weird feeling for me like thinking oh my god like he hasn't like we're not engaged like I look at my friends who just both got engaged their weddings are next year I'm like, wow, like they got engaged. That must feel so amazing. But I'm like, I already feel that with you. (laughs) Like I already feel married to you with just how much we have gone through. So it's really weird to think like we're not engaged yet. Not in like I'm in a hurry. I think it's very important for, I think it was important for us to wait. It just worked out perfectly because I'm selfish and want our wedding to be amazing and for us to be not having to worry about anything else we've come this far we might as well make it amazing and i am willing to sacrifice a couple years to make sure we are good financially and do everything we want i mean they'll come a time i'm definitely getting closer to where i'm like i don't really care it doesn't be perfect i'm just so happy i found him but i know that i want us to have a good time too so i'm okay with it being so long and like i said i took that way too long but i think everyone's really different I think that some people know, and I'm someone that's really weird about if people get married really like in six months because they just know I'm very big on that. But I also know like, don't be stupid and make sure you actually like if there's red flags that you're seeing and you get married in six months and you blow them off, 
you're not that's not okay like you need to know those but if you I don't know sometimes you just know and I believe that so it's hard but I have known our whole relationship but I'm still willing to wait because I want it to be how we want it and not rushed and I agree but the only thing that I would add to that is that I think that it is insanely useful for a couple to figure out what the darker parts of the other person are before they sign the dotted line. Oh, easy. But the only reason... I agree with you 100%, but the only small disagreement I have is I feel like we have gone through that so early with each other, and that's why I said every relationship's different. If they... Some relationships, they could be married for five years and not deal with some of the stuff we've dealt with. So it's really hard to be dating for 11 years and then something finally happened and then you marry them i think it's different for everyone but it does show you who you're with and who you chose so we luckily and also that's why i was like i think we feel like we're married already as we've been through shit like that that most i feel like don't go through that but i just feel like we went through shit that married couples usually go through already so it just feels I'm glad I got you to know experience why, that with you. Do you know why there's a stigma around hating your in-laws? I want to say I do, but honestly, I don't at the same time. My guess, because I don't know, obviously, why. Usually, my, it's because they're it, crazy it all, those, or because they're getting taken totem. away. Dude, yeah, it's a totem. People make jokes about it. It's like every single rom-com, the in-laws, Meet the Fockers, is a gr- literally a movie around <laughs> that entire that, principle. Where did it come from? Yeah. I think or it's like couples who are scared jump yeah. into relationships and realize that the parents are crazier than the people. But, you that sh- but to me, me that, that shouldn't matter to me. No, it should matter. It should matter because a lot of people, their mamas and their daddies, men and women both, play such a psychological role in their choices, in their abilities, That's and the true. things that they face. Because they fucking raised them. Like whether they did it good or bad doesn't matter. They influenced them for most of their known life. And but it depends your heavily on the person. It is your responsibility as the partner to now figure out, okay, how are we going to like – handle this what are the goods and the bads because you look at someone who's coming from like a cool like a whole place of bad so like someone who's like dramatic like i'm talking like a freudian completely enamored by their mother and you've seen enough people in your life to know that that is more common than we would like to admit an uncomfortable (laughs) relationship to their mother from a man's standpoint that is something that needs to be ironed out and managed before marriage. 100%. Oh, 100% not even an option. But the sad part is that it's usually not. No, but you're talking like that's a deciding factor to get married to that person or not, which is true. But some people, because that might take years to see. Say you guys live in different countries or different states and they don't really visit them much. You might not know that until nine years into marriage. I don't know how you wouldn't see the signs, but you know what I'm saying. Well, I think this is kind of like the deciding, well, not the deciding factor, but like the difference in how you and me view marriage. The way that I view marriage in a positive sense is that marriage is a reward. Marriage is not something that is like a stepping stone, which is how 90% of the people look at it. It's something that is a, something that you get to experience because you put in the effort and the time and the work that needed to have a good relationship. Oh, I agree, but a lot of people sometimes don't put in the effort. Well, or they just want to get married from a cultural standpoint. Like, what do you do? You get married. (laughs) Come on, what do you mean? You get married. Marriage is something that I think 
is so toxic, something so distorted with how modern culture is, is that it's lost all sense of something beautiful, which is what I think you and me are pursuing, which is an earned marriage. Something that you and me decide for each other that you're like, you know what? This is something that we got to experience and we're going to do it our way. I can understand from the sense of how most people view it from the little girl in me, but then I can also view it as someone who... The the more I've seen this, I guess, is, yeah, when you're a little girl, you want your wedding day. Why? Because you want... Because you watch The Fucking Princess Bride once. No. <laughs> For girls, it's finding that person that you get to spend your life with and you get to have someone stand by you. And so I think that's why it gets idolized. But what it gets turned into is someone loves me enough to propose to me, but that doesn't mean that's the right option. Does that kind of make sense? So if it's, it gets turned into the idea someone loves me so much they want to propose to me, that turns into, oh, yay, I'm a bride. I get to plan all this stuff now because someone loves me. But that doesn't mean that person who proposed to you is the right person or the kind of love or relationship you need to get into. That's where it gets fucked up. I think the idea is still there of it's so beautiful to be bonded and have like a soul relationship with someone and to marry them for the rest of your life. But that's where I'm just from my own, what I think gets twisted. If you want, I have no experience in this. The truth of the matter is that most people end up saying, well, they love me. So they could be the worst possible person in the world, but you've been together for three years and they've convinced you that they love you. And they say to you right before you're about to get married, literally when you get married and you say your I do's, it's about love. They say to you, or you're saying, well, he's a drunk and he's not really doing anything with his life and he yells at me a lot and he has a lot of friends that are women and I feel uncomfortable and I think he lies to me and yada, 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 or vice versa for men. But you know he what I loves mean? me or but, but he loves she me. loves me. Well, he loves me. I might as well see it through to the end. That makes me... That breaks my heart. No, but you're right. And that's what I'm saying too, though, is just why it got distorted. Marriage can still mean something beautiful for women. And I think it always did. It just got twisted. I feel like being in a shitty relationship is even more painful and you feel even more alone than just being alone. Just terrible and sad. But do you feel like you get it? Because I feel like I understand that. No, I totally get it. If I didn't have you, I don't think I would want to be with someone. Like, I, I... I, I obviously would, like, pursue relationships. If I had never met you, I would pursue relationships. Like, now, if you just poof, vanished one day, I don't think that I would want to be with anyone ever. Like, it, you have showed me so much of what a relationship needs to be. Not should be. Needs. It is a truth. An absolute. Something that it should be for everybody. That... Anything less would be not be worth the time. Yeah. No, I understand that too. You've changed my perception of it too. And I was always someone that didn't want to be alone or didn't want to be lonely. But I now meeting you and knowing what I could have, I would much rather be lonely for the rest of my life unless I meet someone else that's like you, which is very 
very slim to none chance. Well, which... But it's true. I just have standards now, and if they're not going to be met, I would rather be alone than deal with someone who doesn't meet those standards or standards just because I won't be alone. Like, to me, I'm like, no. I would much rather be alone and have some cute little cats and deal with my shit but you than to just be, be mistreated. Alone after something that happens. No, but like-, but, like, finding a different partner... There's no use to me if I'm going to settle. They're going to have to either be better, which is going to be a very long shot in my eyes, or that's about it. That's all I have. It can't be equal. It can't be bare minimum. It's got to be up there. Otherwise, I'm out. My limit, personally, because I would still date and stuff, to be honest with you. I would still look around. I would still try and see. I, I don't think most people have the capability of experiencing the love that you are able to give. That's really sweet. And you know what? And I don't think so either. Bringing it back to the beginning, I think most of it stems from the fact that you are this hypersensitive person. You get to dip your toe into the river of reality that most people never get to experience, which is why you're able to love someone like me. Because I don't think most people would. I think they would stay with. They would be very intrigued by me and interested, and they would be like, "Ooh, yeah, this is a lifestyle." And then they get into it and they realize, "Oh my God, no! I can't handle that. That's way too much." You find some sick kick out of it because you love me so much. <laughs> but no, I'm just being honest with you. But finding that genuine love is not impossible. Who need the permission? to be confident in themselves and to believe that they can be an individual and have a genuine, sincere, amazing relationship with another individual, that is something that's earned. Oh, it's possible also. Just so everyone knows, it's possible. (laughs) (laughs) If this ever makes it into your podcast, I feel like we hit... I feel like we're just holding microphones next to our faces right now. I am really We're talking... I'm talking to you. I know. I'm holding a mic. I am really cold though, so can we wrap it up? Babe... I've needed to pee for like 30 minutes. I have to pee and I'm really cold. I'm over here like starting to shiver. Hey, can we go play some Wii Sports? Yes. Okay, I love you. Thank you for being a part of my podcast.